Hello and welcome to Mac Bytes episode 29. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. The big talking point of the week is obviously Snow Leopard and later we'll be talking about our personal experiences and providing some tips and tricks. But first, let's catch up on other events from the past week. Indeed, uh, last week, if you heard last week's show, you'll know that I challenged Stargate John. Um, I had an inquiry, or a query rather, about the dictionary and the spelling in OS X. And I wanted to know if I could back that up uh, to be able to transfer it to my Snow Leopard installation. And yes, he came up trumps. He said, um, give us some great information saying that it does store it in a plain text file and you can find it at your boot disk slash users slash username slash library slash spelling. And to just transfer it to your new install is as simple as making a backup copy and place it in the same location on your Snow Leopard installation. So I was thrilled to get that. But of course it didn't end there, did it? It never does when you're involved in testing something. No, fair enough. Uh, I stand corrected. Yes, it, it was all my fault. No, what I thought I'd do was once I'd found it, with it being a plain text file, I thought I'd have a little look inside it. Because obviously over time you add things to it um, and you forget what they were. And I wondered how many corrections I'd put in there um, and what they were. So I had a look at it. And uh, there was what I expected, to be honest. Favourite, favouring, labour, labouring, etc. Um, so I said to you, what have you got in yours? And you had a look at yours and uh, you didn't have any US spellings in there at all. Um, you know, the UK corrections. And I thought that was rather strange. It was very strange. Yes, I figured those would be what everybody had in there and then some personal things as well. Uh, things like your address, in our case, uh, MacBytes, capital M, capital yeah. B, um, our dog's name, that kind of stuff. But uh, no, you had none of them. So um, I started up text edit and I started typing in a few words. And um, I was finding that everything that I spelt um, in an American way was being marked as correct. And everything that I spelt in a British way was marked as incorrect. But you had a completely different set of results. I had the opposite, yeah. I, I had the totally opposite. And uh, we couldn't fathom it, could we? No, because these machines are set up identical. And we actually went through the preferences, you know, because we're sad like that. And uh, absolutely everything was identical. Uh, so there was no reason that we were getting those results. But then it took a stranger turn because um, I then started looking at the capitalisation because when I did the same thing on Snow Leopard, I had an installation by this time, um, I typed in MacBytes, all lowercase. It marked it as incorrect, which was what I expected. But if I kept, typed it in with a capital B and a capital M, it was fine. So then I tried Maya, knowing full well that wasn't there. And as long as, again, as long as I typed it with a capital M, it was fine. So I carried on. But with Evernote, it couldn't make its mind up. Um, the flashing red squiggle was on and off each time the insertion point changed. So um, I'm looking at this at the moment and I can see that the word Maya is now underlined in red, which it wasn't yesterday. So um, time to leave it alone, I think. You mean you broke it again? Might have done. So swiftly on to um, the address book we uh, did. A deep dive on the address book a couple of shows ago and we mentioned the dangers of sharing your contact details via the me card and I specifically mentioned that you have a private Evernote email address that uh, you use to send yourself information to Evernote um, and I said you wouldn't want to be sharing that well rather than have two cards there is a solution to this dilemma already built into the address book and this is on Leopard and Snow Leopard if you go to your um, address book preferences and then select V card and then there's a checkbox to enable private 
Now, it doesn't look like it does anything at all. But if you then go back to your me card and you click the edit button, you'll find that you've got check marks next to uh, each text box. And uh, all you need to do is tick only the information you want shared. So if there's a particular address, in my case, it would be my Evernote address that you don't want shared. Take the tick out the box and you're good to go. Excellent. Uh, moving on, a couple of stories that I noticed this week, other than the uh, Snow Leopard, of course. One is that uh, Apple admits that iPhone apps are not suitable for business. Now, all this comes about because uh, some issues with VAT. Somebody tried to uh, request a VAT receipt from the App Store and uh, Apple said, uh, no, we're not going to provide you one. And uh, I thought that was really strange because... You know, there is there is an app, uh, uh, a business section, isn't there, in the App Store? Absolutely, and um, some of them, some of the apps I've seen are definitely business related. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some you could argue about, but uh, who would want a, a contact manager for your sales uh, contacts uh, for for a home situation? I wouldn't have thought many people. True, and I wouldn't fancy facing customs and excise trying to reclaim the VAT on a windy app. <laughs> but there like you go. That. Yeah, exactly. I like that one. Another story, Parallels has released a new version of uh, of its Mac uh, desktop virtualization software aimed specifically for people who have been using PC for a long time and switching over to a Mac. All it is, to be honest, is an old version of Parallels 4 with a few extra items. There's a USB cable and a software wizard for moving your PC operating system application and files and data onto a Mac housed virtual machine. There's also some learning tools included and a couple of hours of interactive video tutorials and some reference cards that list the most common command discrepancies between Mac and PC. Yeah, the I first don't know thing I... that comes to my mind there is why? Yeah. But I, I realise why. Um, the bit that concerned me was, what do you mean an old version of Parallels? Well, it's saying Parallels 4, because I know Parallels 5's out, isn't it? Is it? I, I lost so. I lost interest in that, I'm afraid. I know uh, we've got Parallels up to version 4. Um, as far as I know, Parallels 4 was the latest, because uh, I'm just downloading it now. It's one of those pain downloads where you've got to go to their site and put your um, account details in and then request a link that comes through to your email that's only good for an hour and um, it's download well it's trying to download across um, a very dodgy connection today so um, I'm sure it'll bomb out but I think that you do need the latest for Snow Leopard so an old version that is very odd. The whole package is actually known as Parallels Desktop Switch to Mac Edition. Just rolls off the tongue doesn't it? It does a retail price of $99.99. By itself, Parallels itself sells for $79.99. So there's an extra $20 in there for these videos and you know extra USB cables, which I'm sure you could get a lot cheaper. Fantastic. So Sorry, I was nodding off there. Uh, I found something far better this week. Something I can't wait to try, which is um, Camtasia. Oh, yes, I'd love to, to uh, try that. Well, I used to use it on a Mac, um, not on a Mac, on a PC. And um, I didn't actually have it that long before I moved to a Mac. I literally think it was about a couple of months. And it was excellent on a PC. It was by far the best there was. But on a Mac, um, I've settled with ScreenFlow, which is absolutely brilliant. It so, is. So um, Camtasia is going to have to go some way to beat it. But I can't wait to test that. So um, it was really good to see that announced this week. And um, they also said that they're working on 
um, Snagit, which uh, we mentioned in our roundup of screen capture utilities, saying that um, it was PC only, but it's coming to the Mac. So um, another good thing to hear about. I don't think you can ever have too many screen capture utilities. You certainly can't. Um... Indeed. So we're going to come back to screen capture a little bit later with Snow Leopard. But yes, I'm looking forward to testing Camtasia. And as you're the resident photos, Photoshop expert, uh, what did you make of this Microsoft debacle this week? Oh, yes. Um, absolutely a case of just because you can doesn't mean you should. And um, for anybody who hasn't heard, and I can't think that would be anybody, because it even made it onto the BBC, um, Microsoft uh, had a photo shoot done. Um to promote something or other. I can't actually remember what they were trying to promote. Oh, I know what it was. It was business tools, wasn't it? Because right. um, it, it got funnier after that. Yes, it was business tools. And uh, there was a lady sat there supposedly giving a presentation with two gentlemen watching. Um, one was a Chinese gentleman. The other guy was a very cheerful looking black gentleman uh, who had been removed from the Polish advert and replaced with um, the head of somebody else. Um, but they'd left his hand. So um, he looked like he'd been in the sun, or it definitely didn't match. It didn't match. But not only that, um, it had been so badly done, you could actually see the join. Um, if you looked along the Venetian blinds behind the guy's head, um, it just didn't match at all. It was one of the worst Photoshop things I've ever seen. Um, people on the blogs and forums were going crazy. And there were some great comments like, um, I don't know why people are mentioning Photoshop in this, because it's obvious Microsoft used paint and things like that. But uh, definitely a case of just because you can doesn't mean that you should. I think that's um, appalling on their behalf. But it's not the first time they've done it. And um, other companies have been caught the same way as well, fiddling with the photos. I know Ford got caught a few years ago doing um, exactly the same thing. But when I said to you, look at this, just look at this, isn't that appalling? Um, you looked at it, and what was the first thing you noticed, dear? Uh, oh, yes, I noticed the uh, MacBook. Yes, underneath the headline it said, um, you know, it's sort of empowering your employees with the tools they need. And you took one look and said, oh, he's got a MacBook. Which, well, again... Had been photoshopped out very carefully. The lid had, hadn't it? It had, but that shows that I'm uh, a geek, not a racist. Indeed. Well, um, I hope they put their, sh their show shop in order. That was um, appalling, appalling. It was. Now, and I'd say the same if it was Apple, being fair. I would. You know me. I'm not afraid to tell Apple when they're doing things all wrong. Don't we know? So do Apple. Carry know. on. Now, on to... Uh, the main story of the week is Snow Leopard. Now, I know that you said you were going for a clean install, but I think you took that too literally earlier in the week, didn't you? Explain. Oh dear, the shame of it. Um, I got all domestic. Well, as domestic as I ever intend to for the foreseeable future anyway. <clears throat> come on, come clean, if you pardon the pun. Well... I never, ever have liquid near the machines, but um, the builders were still here. So I was trying to stay out of the way in the office. And um, what were the builders doing here this week? Oh, yes. Uh, the builders were installing, um, what do you call them again? Oh, yes. Some fence panels. But that's a whole different story. <clears throat> anyway, oh. I know. Well, there was, the, there was an incident with a small jug of milk um, all over the keyboard. So the air was blue, uh, the keyboard was milky. So I quickly unplugged it and I uh, tipped it upside down and there was milk dripping all over the place. Uh, but even with pouring it off, it was going to leave it far too sticky to use. So? Yes, so I rinsed it under the tap. 
And I didn't quite believe it. I, I do know what I'm doing, you know. Yes, I dashed into the bathroom with it and um, the milk was dripping down the sink nicely and um, I turned the cold water on and I washed it. So um, I, I do know exactly what I'm doing. So um, I couldn't leave the milk there, could I? So I really did have absolutely no choice and I did say a quiet prayer. But um, now I don't recommend that you do this at home, but um, it's working really, really well and um, it's exceptionally clean as well. But well, with the domestics behind us, we headed off to purchase, didn't we? We did. We actually started the night before. We were doing our Mac Bites Live and we were having a chat afterwards and somebody mentioned um, tomorrow, as it was, um, and you said to me, uh, why don't you ring the store live? live on air as it was because we were on air so i got my iphone out i stuck it next to me blue snowflake put the speaker on and i rang up the liverpool store and it's you sad. need to explain here that you had been trying to ring the liverpool store well you had been ringing the liverpool store all day because that was where we intended to go and no one was answering the phone no, this was so why thought, you had to try again after nine at night so i thought quarter to ten at night it'll be quiet someone will answer the phone so uh, I rang up and that Scottish lady who seems to answer all the phones at all the Apple stores. This could be why. They're very, very busy. Poor woman, on her own. Said uh, the store is now closed. Very kind of her. Yeah, it seems they, they, they shut about half past nine or nine o'clock. So I rang up the Trafford Centre store, our favourite place. Indeed. And that was still open. And he said to me, they're opening normal time tomorrow. No T-shirts, no razzmatazz, no fanfare. I couldn't believe that because um, the Leopard Lounge was one, I think it was actually our first um, Apple Extravaganza, the Switches, wasn't it? And uh, it was huge. We went to the Trafford Centre. Um, there was, I think we just launched the podcast. Queuing twice around the block, weren't they? They were. Um, more so than for the iPhone, which was about a week to 10 days later. And now we were thinking, wow, if it's this busy for for Leopard, what's it going to be like for the iPhone? But the Leopard launch was actually bigger than the the first gen iPhone. Um, the place was teeming with people. There was press, there was the local news, you name it. It was mad busy. There was hundreds and hundreds of people. So I thought, this is odd, you know. Um, we did a video. I'm yes. sure you remember that one. I remember the video. Apparently somebody pointed out that I was saying extra large, extra large when I was asking for a T-shirt. Yes, you were. Does that no, mean was... I'm extra large twice? <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying anything at all. I refuse to be drawn. But uh, yes, we made a video and we got lots of pictures and so did everybody else. Um, but this time it was very, very different. Yeah, apparently now you're not allowed to take videos or photos in store. Which I just find really strange because... You know, it feeds the community and apples that's been Apple's strong point over the years. So um, we, we were thinking, you know, before we got there, it sounds very different. But, you know, I'm sure it'll all come good and we'll get there and it'll be, you know, the usual community posse going. And uh, when we got there, there was there was a queue. There was one rather embarrassed gentleman stood in said queue and that was it. Yeah, but he was playing with his iPhone, so he was definitely a geek. He was, he was. But, and then uh, we turned up and the queue tripled. Yeah, then Mark came along, didn't he? Mark from the uh, the Northwest uh, Mac user group. Yep. So then there was four of us, and that was it. Uh, that really was the queue. And even Mark was going to dash off to work because they don't open till nine thirty. But um, they decided, seeing as though we were stood there and it was incredibly windy and uh, starting to rain, that they would open early at nine o'clock and let us in. Um, I was pleased because uh, once it did start raining, yeah, I 
doing a domestic. I'm, I'm just useless. Um, I didn't take a coat with me, but um, actually a dinghy would have been more use, wasn't it? Yeah, it was bad, wasn't it? It was appallingly bad. It was a good job they did open up early or we'd have been washed away. I remember reading somewhere as well, the BBC suggesting that it should be a download. And, uh, you know, right about then it seemed a good idea. It did, actually, but I think they were peeved that they didn't get a preview copy. Um, Rory Keflin-Jones, their technology correspondent, spent most of Thursday chasing Apple for one uh, and failing, um, and he was twittering all about it. Um, plus the fact, can you imagine the download servers? They would have just melted. Um, it would have been an 8-gig download. Yeah, mind you, you wouldn't get a round of applause at home, would you? And uh, despite the small queue, we did get one. We did get some whoops from the staff at the Apple store. I don't think they went as far as high fives, but... Uh, no, that would have been far too embarrassing. I it think. I, actually, I don't know who was more embarrassed as they were cheering and <laughs> on, on the way in. <laughs> I think they've been practising here all morning. Oh, poor things. Yeah, We were actually the first ones to pay, weren't we? Uh, second through the door, first to pay. Yeah, that poor guy at the front of the queue, he stood no chance in the presence of this extreme shopper. What do you mean extreme shopper? Oh yeah, for tech toys. Uh, when did you last see the inside of a Tesco's though? Why would I want to see the inside of a Tesco's? So, it was unboxing time. Yeah, you were that keen you didn't even get an Apple bag. Nor, nor did you actually check inside the box for stickers. Too busy installing. So, was there no last minute panic over your backup or were you confident? I had backup exhaustion. I wasn't worried at all. I had backups of the backups of the backups of the backups. Yeah, the staffing store seemed um, quite surprised that we were going to do it there and then, um, but glad of the company, given uh, how quiet it was. So I intended to do um, an over-the-top on the MacBook Pro, and yes, I did notice the comments on Twitter asking if Mike had carried the 24-inch iMac in. Funny, guys, funny. Uh, and I had no issues with the actual install. There were very few options. Um, I selected uh, the additional fonts and the QuickTime Pro. But QuickTime Pro was already selected because I had QuickTime Pro on the system. Uh, otherwise, you've got to go into the options and tick the box. And we'll be coming back to QuickTime later. Um, but when I had installed and it finished and rebooted and gone into Snow Leopard, I did get a strange message. It was asking me to locate systemevents.app which turned out to be in your boot disk system library core services. Yeah, I got the same request. I've never seen that one before. Neither had I, and none of the guys, the Apple guys, had seen it either. Um, but we went on the net, and um, other people were saying that it was requesting the same, so uh, nothing to worry about, I guess, as long as you know where it is. I did do a search for it um, with Spotlight, and it didn't come back with anything, so um, it was a good job that we actually knew where it was. So, um... While my install completed, uh, we joined the Snow Leopard workshop, didn't we? In fact, we were the only two there. And um, Alan from the Apple Store was running his very first Snow Leopard workshop. It went very well, so hi to Alan. And I hope the rest of the workshops that day went just as well. And um, he was running that, that workshop all day. Yeah, he'd be word perfect by the end, wouldn't he? He would. Anyway, then it was my turn. So I took the CD uh, and before anyone asks, it was a family pack. One disc, one family pack. Yeah, they should give you separate discs. That way we could have done it at the same time. Yes, and lots of stickers as well. Yeah. I actually yeah, you thought... See, that's a good point. You only get the same amount of stickers. I actually thought I did a scorched earth because that's what I was planning to do. A scorched earth and you can pave, as it's called. Uh, but actually, once I've finished, I realised that I hadn't. 
Well, I've done four installs so far and three of them have been scorched earth. And every time I've really had to think about the precise steps, um, I actually preferred the old options screen where you could, um, it actually told you, you know, it gave you the three options that you had. But with this, you've actually got to go into disk utility and wipe the disk and then come out of it again. And then, oh, it's it's long-winded and it's it's confusing. It, it just doesn't need to be there. was it at all? Not at all, I'm, I'm afraid, not at all. Anyway, on the upside, I still had all my software, but then that wasn't necessarily a good thing because forklifts crashed every time I ran it. I actually had forklifts set up to run on boot up, uh, run at login, and that crashed every time I ran it. And I found out that it was on the list of known incompatibilities, though a patch is actually available now, although I've not had a chance to install it. It's really strange that the, that the OS didn't move that to the incompatible software folder. Is it supposed to? It is. Uh, all incompatible software is supposed to be removed and put in that folder. But anyway, on to the features. And uh, one of the very first things I noticed, um, I was taking screenshots as I was going, and um, there is a new naming convention for the screenshots taken with the built-in functionality. Formerly you had picture one, picture two, etc., and they were stored on the desktop. And now it's screenshot, date, at, and then the time. Um, which, incidentally, is something that the unofficial Apple weblog only discovered yesterday and Daring Fireball today, which is uh, Monday. So Sunday and Monday, respectively. So um, get with the programme, guys. Where have you been for three days? Sleeps for wimps. There's new tech toys to be examined. Right, so now you've put them in the place, let's, let's look at the bigger features of Snow Leopard. Well, one of the biggest things people have been talking about is the fact it's 64-bit and you are supposed to be able to hold down 6 and 4 during boot-up to boot to 64-bit mode. Um, but it's probably a good idea to check your compatibility first. And um, there is an inelegantly named 32-bit or 64-bit kernel startup mode selector. Yes, not good. Uh, now, what that will do is it gives you lots of information about your system and whether it's able or otherwise to run 64-bit. Um, but it also allows you to set the default startup mode. So we'll put the show, the, a link in the show notes for that. Um, I think that is a free utility. It is a free utility. I tried that. I tried the 6 and the 4. Uh, it didn't seem to work. So back to the drawing board for me. Uh, but I did notice that I gained some disk space. Well, it's definitely a smaller footprint, but there's also a lot of smoke and mirrors going on here. Apple have redefined what constitutes a 1,000. So gone is the definition of a thousand as a thousand and twenty-four to be replaced with a thousand. So you'll find that hard drives actually report themselves to be the size that they claim they are rather than smaller. So previously you have a five hundred gig hard drive, you plug it in, format it, and it'll tell you that there's four hundred and sixty-five gig free. And now it's saying there's five hundred gig free. Now, I don't suppose it really makes much difference to the average user, apart from the fact you may or may not need more hard drive storage. Um, but it does make for inconsistencies, because what I've found is um, I've also got installed some other applications, one of which is Pathfinder. And I expected, because it was the system that was providing this calculation, that it would be across the board. And it's not. Pathfinder's telling me that a hard drive of 500 gig is 465, whereas Finder's telling me it's 500. So when I look at the size of a file in Pathfinder, and then again in Finder, they're nothing like. So um, that's giving me a few headaches. I also noticed that the ITV was doing the same. So um, it's just plain confusing at the moment, but uh, once everything's in line, I guess it'll be okay. 
So when I go back to work um, and I'm doing these introduction to computer courses, uh, I have to tell people that Apple have changed the way that uh, computers measure uh, storage. It reminds me of when Microsoft decided when will be a leap year. Oh, yes, exactly. I remember doing Excel courses and, um, you know, obviously you, I told them how to calculate when a leap year was. Um, and apparently uh, when, well, uh, at, a th at 100 years, so in this case it was year 2000, that's not a leap year, even though, you know, if you calculate it on four years, it should be. But um, it's not supposed to be. But nobody told Microsoft when they programmed their software. And um, it's so ingrained that it would have been far too difficult to change it, coming on top of the Y2K bug. So all of a sudden, the year 2000 was a leap year. So, uh, yes, I'm thinking the same thing is going to happen. At the moment, it's just confusing. But um, if Apple get their way, a 500-gig hard drive will be a 500-gig hard drive. Well, I'd be quite happy with that. But uh, moving on to other things, they rebuilt the Finder, didn't they? Um, cosmetically, there doesn't seem to actually be any difference at all. No, but that's the sign of a good rebuild, I think. So um, I'm finding it faster. Yeah, it seems faster to me. Uh, preview's gone through a few changes as well. The annotation tools used to be under markup and annotate, two separate commands. But now there's on one menu, um, on the tools menu, and there's also an annotate button on the toolbar. I must admit, um, when that was demonstrated, I was expecting more um, because... In the workshop, it was like a big feature, and he made a big show of demonstrating it, and I'm thinking, yes, and they were there before. Um, I know they've made them easier to get to, but, you know, pretty much what it did was there before. One of the new features of it, which is actually useful, I can't tell you the number of times this has happened to me, um, you have a scan, uh, usually it's a scan, but it could, it could be straight from a web page as well. Uh, and you open the PDF of, of whatever this file is and you have text in columns. So if you think of a website, you usually have navigation on the left and then the main body of the article and then probably some extra text in a column on the right. And when you tried selecting the bit in the middle, um, it would also select the bit on the right hand side. It would select a line as far as it could go and then go back on itself. So um trying to tidy up the selection was a nightmare but now it can actually select text in columns so you can just select from where you want to select downwards without it going outside and selecting a secondary column so i think that's a big improvement that is that that sounds really useful and talking about scanners um there's now a new command import from scanner yeah, that's interesting, actually, because I know a few years... When we first got Acrobat, if you remember... I do. It was quite expensive. It was um, a standalone product on its own. And if you wanted to scan into it, you had to pay. And you had to pay um, depending on how many scans you've scanned into it. Which sounds prehistoric now, doesn't it? But that's what you had to do. Yeah, so I remember to, that. So to well. find this at operating system level, that you can just start scanning, is... Um, for the, for the people who remember that far back, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? It is. They've changed the names of some of the commands. They've changed uh, grab. Grab has now become a take screenshot. I think that's an improvement, though, because that's probably what people would be looking for. Grab yeah. could be anything. Yeah, and there's three new file handling options, isn't there? Yeah, I found this one um, looking for something completely different. What I did was I opened up a PDF file that had three pages um, and you can have in your sidebar, you can um, 
choose to view the thumbnails or you can have um, a structure or you can have your bookmarks. And um, I had it showing the thumbnails and, and it didn't look the same. It looked a bit odd. I had three pages and page two said page two and page three said page three, but page one didn't say page one. You're thinking at this point, I've broken it again, aren't you? But I haven't. Strange. <laughs> I hadn't. I hadn't. Um, what I was seeing instead of page one was the name of the file. And on top of the thumbnail, I was seeing a backward pointing arrow as well. So when I clicked this arrow, you know, as you do, must, arrow must click. Um, I clicked it. It folded up the document. The two pages, pages two and three, disappeared under page what should be page one. So it was working like a stack does in um, Lightroom or Aperture. So I thought, well, why would you want to do that when you've only got the one file open? And then I realised, oh, I wonder if you can have multiple PDFs open and navigate them all within the sidebar. So I opened up another PDF and no, it didn't work. It opened up in a separate window. So uh, I went sniffing around in the preferences to find that there are indeed, well, there is a preference with three options. You can have the default file handling set to open all files within one window, um, group files within the same window, or each file to have their own window. So what I then did was went to a finder, found three PDF files um, and opened them up and it opened up the three files in the same window. So what I then had was to say each had three pages of their own. I had nine thumbnails, but what I could do is click on thumbnail one, four and whatever <laughs> to um, fold them up. So I could fold up the top document and concentrate on the second document. So actually it did have a function, but it just looks quite odd when you only have the one document open and you don't see the name of that first page. But um, I like that. I think that's a good option instead of having multiple windows floating around. So you'll have to have a look at that. Yeah, I like that as well. What I found is uh, when you're in icon view in the Finder or uh, when you're in cover flow view, you've now got a little play button. You know how you see a, a play button embedded in a, a video sometimes on a website or a blog? Uh, you've now got a play button which is displayed inside the icon for audio and video files and it actually lets you play the file right from within the Finder window. So no longer do you have to open it in iTunes or QuickTime. And uh, if there is a uh, an album cover or a poster frame available, then it shows that as the preview rather than just showing the, the QuickTime or the, the iTunes uh, icon. That would be really useful for me because I can't tell you the number of times um, I have to double click on a file to listen to it. And I don't want to import it. I just want to listen to it. And it automatically imports it into iTunes and then I've got to go and find it and delete it. So to be able to actually preview without what I was doing was right clicking and opening with QuickTime but I wouldn't have to do that now I could just use the preview and listen to it so yeah I did that so often I did that so often that I actually changed the default to to open with QuickTime I didn't really want to do that but I suppose I should have done shouldn't I I hardly ever double clicked on it and wanted it importing so no, uh, maybe I. I should maybe I should have done that's why I did it because I just double clicked it but uh, talking of QuickTime, there's some changes to that. The control bar with the play button and the, the backwards and forwards and the scroller to scroll along, show you how long it's gone of the, of the video or the audio clip. Uh, that's now displayed within the video rather than actually below it. Uh, although it does actually disappear after a few seconds. I find it's distracting and it could cause problems if you wanted to take a screenshot from a video. Of course, we're talking about your own videos. Um, no copyright yeah, yeah, issues right, here. Right. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> no, maybe that's why they've done it. 
could be. Uh, QuickTime now allows you to do screen recording as well as uh, audio recording and capture on the iSight camera. And that was previously only available, I think, if you had QuickTime Pro. Yeah, in relation to doing the screen recording, one of the things I found, because I, I tried that straight away, um, it was one of the things they demonstrated in this workshop, and I tried it straight away, I got a screen recording, I, I saved it, I think, and it was around 16 to 20 meg a minute. Now, I can't be accurate with that because it was Apple's Meg and nobody else's Meg. So I'm not going to sit here and work out what that really is in real money. Um, but one of the things in relation to what you previously said about the controls, and um, the controls at the bottom weren't too much of a problem because it's clear that they are the controls. But when you play back that screen recording, the bar at the top that has your close, minimise, maximise floats over the top of your screen recording and you have to move your mouse away and then let it fade out. But it just covers up the menu in your screen recording. So it's actually a big pain. So uh, what I thought I'd do was look around the preferences and try and find a preference and only show that for one second or something, the minimum I could show it for. And there's no configuration option there to do that. So uh, if you've done screen recording with it and you're playing that back, um, it's really annoying that you can't actually see your menu. I found that very annoying. The good news is, though, with it that you can do um, basic editing, so you can top and tail your video, um, your screen recording or your eyesight recording or whatever you've made with it. So uh, there is basic, very basic editing in there. I don't think ScreenFlow are panicking any time yet. No, I think I'll be sticking with ScreenFlow. Yeah, so will I. Well, the other thing is the export options just aren't as extensive. Um, hence getting the option to keep or even install the previous version, QuickTime Pro 7, um, during the installation. And the only options you've got, there is an option to change the settings, and it's under the disclosure triangle on the right-hand side of the uh, little record window. don't know if you've had a look in there. I had a quick look, only because you mentioned it, yeah. It's not obvious that it's actually there. Again, it's one of those, those hidden options. But I think that's what Apple are trying to do. Um, they're trying to make everything much easier. Um, you and I probably call that dumbing down. Hmm, but there you go. Um, we did also have a go with iChat, didn't we? Which um, we were assured had much better quality video. So um, when Alan was demonstrating it in the store, we joined in with him and we uh, tried it in the store. That could have accounted for why there were so few people there. Maybe we frightened them. Well, you tried it in the store because I was still updating at, my, at that point. Yeah, we had a three-way eye chat um, with the guys upstairs and then uh, two guys downstairs. And uh, it worked very well and the quality was excellent. Obviously, we were on an internal network, um, not sharing out across the internet. But uh, it was absolutely perfect when we were in there. Um, it's not something that I use a lot. You don't want to frighten the natives, do we? So uh, let's talk about something that I do know then. Um, spotlight. I noticed that uh, we talked about um, Spotlight in uh, a finder window um, where you have that text box in the top right hand corner and uh, it searches your whole system and then you have to set the options afterwards. Well, I noticed that you've now got three options to set the default scope of your Spotlight search. So um, I knew I'd seen it. I'd seen it while I was playing around waiting for you to finish installing. So um, when I'd done my proper install, because I then uh, nuked it, I went into the spotlight and I'm looking around, I'm looking around. I could not find this option. I thought, I want to go and see what these options were. Couldn't find it. Had the, I had the system preferences upside down and it wasn't there. 
And I thought, no, it's, it's not my age. I'm not going insane. I definitely saw it. Um, it's not in the Spotlight System preferences. It's actually in the Finder preferences. And the options are, the, the by default, you can now have Spotlight search this Mac, the current folder, or to use the previous search scope. Now, I thought that was pretty useful. Um, because I do use the feature where I search the current folder in Pathfinder a lot. Um, but I was hoping, and I just assumed that it would work this way, and sadly it doesn't. I was assuming that those options would be available via a drop-down from the text box where I'm typing the text of my search. And now there is a magnifying glass, and I clicked on it, and I was really surprised when nothing happened. So um, you do have to set that in the Finder Preferences. Um, and to be honest, I looked at the options and I then thought, well, I'd probably have it set to current folder. And then I thought, no, you wouldn't, because if you did, you'd get confused and you would assume it was searching the Mac and then it wasn't. And to have it set to the previous search scope again, then you wouldn't be quite sure what it was doing until it opened up its search results. So um, I think after all that, I'm just going to leave it set to this Mac and be done with it. Yeah. And carry on using Pathfinder. I think I'm going to stay the same. Uh, leave it set to this Mac. It's really simple to change. I mean, once you, your search results are up, you get a, a bar at the top and you can just change the scope of it anyway. Um, I just thought it would be really nice to be able to toggle it on and off to search the current folder, which I expected it to do, but I was disappointed. Maybe the next update. I said that about the last one and the <laughs> one before. <laughs> They'll come round to my way of thinking in the end. I know I don't use the dock uh, and I don't use Expose, but uh, for people that do, they've had a few changes, haven't they? Um, they have. Cosmetically, they're very similar, but uh, functionally, there are a few changes. There is an option where you can minimise windows to their icon um, because once you've got lots and lots of applications open, which happily a Mac can run quite easily, you also start to get lots and lots of icons when you minimise windows um, to your dock. Now, if you've got your dock across the bottom, that's not too bad, as long as you have your dock reasonably small. But once you've got your dock on the side or you have bigger icons, it just gets really cluttered. So there is an option in the dock preferences to uh, minimise windows to their respective icon. The problem with it is there's no immediate indication that you've got a minimised window. Uh, you can right click on an application's icon in the dock and it does show you a list of windows at the top of the menu with a diamond next to them uh, indicating they're minimised. So uh, you can get to them that way but um, there's just no indication. Now I don't think I'd really mind that with applications but I would like some indication with the finder that I have got finder windows open um, it's a shame you can't choose to minimize to the application icon on an application by application basis because I don't think I would include the finder with that what the finder really needs is um, a bit like mail needs a badge on it to show how many windows you've got open um, but then I suppose if they put that there for every application can you imagine what the dock would look like Good job I don't actually use it, I say. And new to Expose is the grid view um, with blue highlighted frames. So uh, your open windows are listed at the top of this grid and your minimised windows are listed below that and slightly smaller. So they're actually sectioned off. You can also um, sort the um, icons in Expose. Command and 1 sorts them alphabetically and Command and 2 arranges them by application. And you're supposed to be able to drag and drop um, to these mini views to transfer information, but 
I think we could declare that to be erratic at best. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have much success with that one, did we? No, I got it to work once. I was really thrilled. I got a picture in a text file once and that was it. After that, it was having none of it. So uh, you are supposed to be able to, um, pretty much like, like you would do now, pick up, say, a graphic file, drag it across to the icon on the dock. You notice me saying across there because my dock's on the right. Or, indeed, down. You didn't notice the join there. Down to the dock. Uh, hover it over the icon. Instead of dropping it, hover it there. And then you get this expose view, which shows you all the windows belonging to that application. And you should be able to drag over to them and then drop. And that's where it all went pear-shaped. Um, but like I say, it did work once. So I'm um, not sure if we were doing something wrong or uh, if it's just erratic. But um, that's what we found anyway. I also noticed that Expose itself um, has moved to the Utilities folder. Yeah, I didn't even realise it had an icon in the uh, Applications folder. I use the icon from the dock on my headless Mac Mini because shortcuts are an absolute nightmare via screen sharing. Um, certain shortcuts work and certain ones don't. So uh, what I did was I put the Expose icon on the dock and when I click that, I get the same effect as I would by using whatever shortcut key you've allocated to it. So um, I went looking for it thinking, oh, don't tell me they've taken the icon away completely. And uh, no, they've moved it to the utilities folder. So if that is something that um, you do have on your dock, then uh, you'll need to be going to look for it there. Because maybe people have done what we did, which is um, rip all those icons off the dock. Yeah, um, I removed all the icons off my dock as well as soon as I'd installed, including stacks. Oh, yes. Poor Alan at the Apple Store. He tried to convince us of the benefits of stacks, but I'm just not convinced. They do work better than they do than they did before. There's a nice scrollable grid. Um, you can drill down through folders, but I just still don't like stuff on the dock. So um, not for me. Yeah, the stacks look nice, but uh, I still prefer using LaunchBar to run my applications. Me too. And I use LaunchBar for lots, lots more as well, as uh, people will know. Uh, Safari. Safari has uh, improved in speed, I think. I don't know what you think. Yes, but lots of input managers don't work in 64-bit mode. So yet again, I am crippled. I am still waiting for Saft. In fact, I think I've reached the point. I'm really peeved. I feel that I've been without Saft for longer this year than I've been using it because there have been so many different um, versions of the beta and then the final product and then point releases to the final version of Safari um, that Saft breaks every single time it changes and I just seem to have spent most of the year waiting for Saft to be updated and yet again I am waiting for Saft to be updated. Um, and the other stuff that uh, I rely on as well that breaks Web Snapper, Video Box. Um, luckily, you can get those two working again, um, but you must enable Safari to run in 32-bit mode. So you have to go and find the Safari icon, right-click on it, get the info up. Not the info panel, the info. I suppose it is an info panel, actually. No, 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 I'll only get overexcited. Sorry, sorry, the info panel, yes. Um, you get that uh, info window. There we go. That won't distract me half as much. Um, and in there, there's an option to say running 32-bit mode. So put a tick in the box and then all your input managers will work again. But you will lose your speed benefit. So um, at the moment, I'm going to have to do that because I do rely on WebSnapper and VideoBox. I like those. I'm almost too scared to mention iCal. Oh, yes. The return of the mm, somewhat crippled info panel. 
it's not really back to its former glory. Um, it's got to be deliberately enabled in the preferences, so it isn't there by default. It doesn't dock to the window. It just sits floating around. And um, it doesn't keep in sync with the selected event in the calendar either, um, which I thought it did. Uh, so some demonstration I'd seen, that's what it was supposed to do. So the idea was that you had this docked info panel and uh, it kept in sync with whatever you selected, but it doesn't. But I did manage to open more than one and I covered the entire screen with multiple info panels during the testing. Yeah, don't we know it? While Snow Leopard was installing, you were actually wrecking the Macs in the store, weren't you? Not wrecking. Think of it as um, stress testing. What we really need is um, a real Snow Leopard iCal info panel. The BusyCal info panel face-off. Tell you what, let's save time. I'll keep it brief. Just get busy, Cal. Problem yeah, solved. Just get busy, Cal. There's been a few changes to the address book as well. Uh, mobile Me, Yahoo and Google synchronisation. Uh, and in the old version, the Google particularly, as we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, that would only appear once you'd actually connected an iPhone to your uh, your macbook or your imac but now it appears by default but there's no integration with social networks or extension to the range of fields available as we were discussing as well in a previous episode no i was really really hoping for that um maybe being able to put in custom fields or something but i guess too much would break the only way i can find uh, around that where it's an actual field is probably to use something like bento and add it in there I think that's a great shame. I think they missed an opportunity there. Yeah, I didn't find much new with address book. One thing I did find is that if you uh, open a contact card in address book and you choose card, add URL from Safari, then address book will paste the address of the frontmost Safari page into a new URL field. So if you happen to have a, a customer's uh, website displayed for example it saves you actually copying and pasting the url into the address book assuming you've got their card as the active card wow yeah overwhelming. do i sound, do I sound underwhelmed mm. it's not an info panel is it well i had to find something new for the listeners didn't i fair enough is that the best you could do it is it is same with mail there's not a lot in mail i mean Exchange mail is the biggie, but as we're not connected to an exchange server and they won't let me connect to an exchange server at work, uh, I don't think there's a lot to say about it. Well, we've not tried it. Um, I have heard it's working well, so um, it may well help people switch, so that's a good thing. Um, I did find a new menu option in there, which was Adder's Link, which is Command and K, which is very similar to a front page command from years ago which was control and k and surprisingly enough it did the same thing it's it the same as a word link. as well <gasps> scary who's copying who now um all it does is make a link clickable in the email now i've never really bothered with that i know when i paste or type um a url in it isn't clickable but i've always found it's clickable at the other end when it arrives so i've never really bothered about that so to me it just seems like an extra step to put a clickable link in when it would be clickable at the other end anyway but i did notice there was an extra menu option so um we've mentioned it didn't ring my bell but there you go 
And the services menu, however, has gone a complete, undergone a complete overhaul. Um, it's now context sensitive and because of that alone, it's much, much more useful. Um, I gave up using the services menu because I just spent too long wading through an extensive and sadly often irrelevant list of options in the past. Um, there was all sorts in there. And every time I added uh, more software, I got more things added to it and it just made it worse and worse. I know you could get um, utilities that enabled um, some degree of management of it. But again, then you're putting extra things on to manage what's already there. No, I didn't bother. Um, but now it's context sensitive. So if it's not relevant, you shouldn't see it. You can also choose to enable and disable uh, from within the system preferences which is really useful because if there's something there that you're never going to use, then you can choose to disable it and you need never see it again. But if there's um, things that you use all the time, you can now assign shortcut keys to them um, in that services management utility. So um, I think I'll be diving into services a lot more. So uh, I was really pleased to see that. And uh, I like my shortcut keys, as everybody should know by now. And uh, they've changed that as well. In the system preferences, your shortcut keys are now organised by category which I was thinking, is this going to make much of a difference? But uh, visually, it is much better organised. The absolute first thing, literally this is the first thing that I do uh, when I create, you know, install a new operating system, I create a shortcut key to the system preferences. So the first thing I do is to go in the system preferences and make that change to the shortcut key. I choose command option and the section key because command option and escape brings up the force quit dialogue. So mentally in my mind, the two go together. So um, I, I make that change first of all. So uh, I went in, clicked at the bottom one, uh, which was applies to all. And it was a lot easier, actually, instead of scrolling down and uh, expanding with the expansion triangles and up and down. It was actually a lot easier. So um, that's a good change as well, I think. First thing I noticed uh, when it, it finished installing was the new leopard wallpaper. Uh, did you stick with that? I actually thought it was uh, more refined than the last one, but no, I, I can't work with that. I, I find it very distracting. It's just too glaring. Um, I did think the one with the snow leopard on was um, really nice. But no, I actually went back to the uh, blue one, which I think is the default tiger one. But um, looking at it now, I'm actually feeling, after three years, of the same one. I know, stick in the mud that I am. That I'm ready for a change, uh, but I couldn't choose one. I like the Snow Leopard one, but again, you know, I've got two 24-inch monitors sat there and it's a, a bit distracting. So I'm looking for something calming and, and inspirational. So uh, maybe I should throw it out as a listener challenge. Find me some nice wallpaper to, to, to take away this tiger one. So there's no way I could work with um, the leopard one, not at all. Yeah, um, I'm still with that uh, blue tiger one as well. Uh, maybe it's time for a change for me. So uh, if anyone has any ideas, you know what? People start sending us ideas of, uh, I don't know. I do, I do hope people are uh, Keep it clean. careful in yes. what they send us. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Time Machine as well. I've heard people saying that it's much faster, especially over Wi-Fi. I don't have a Time Machine. I, I don't use Time Machine for backup at all. So I can't verify that myself. Um, I did notice when I'd installed and um, I'd uh, put my Firewire 800 drives back, which are all daisy-chained together, um, Time Machine thought it was Christmas. It uh, offered me a dialogue box with every single drive listed and said, can I use this? Can I use that one? Shall I use this one? I'm like, no, no, no. So, um, yes, it popped up very fast. So um, maybe it is a lot faster. 
something that I found was if you go to the trash, open the trash, right click on a file and uh, there's a new command there, put back and it will actually put the file back to its original folder. So rather than having to drag and drop it back to the desktop or wherever it came from, you can actually get it to put it back where it came from. Am I right in thinking from from the long distant past that um, that was the only option you had on the recycle bin in Windows? I can't remember. I think well, you, you use right. it every week. We you don't use have, it every day at work. We don't have we don't have a recycle bin at work. Oh, good grief! Yeah, oh, talk about restricted. Takes, I thought the only option too much space. I thought the only option you had, that you couldn't drag um, a file out of the recycle bin. You I had think, to restore it to where it was. I think you might be right, yeah. So, um, yes, it's a nice option to get back, I suppose, because you might might not remember where it was from. Um, to be honest, if, if you're that worried about it, um, the one in Pathfinder is far better. That lets you manage the trash on a drive-by-drive -drive basis. So um, if you've been working on sort of three drives and you, you are about to eject a drive, um, if you don't empty the trash before you eject the drive, you don't get the space back. Um, but you might not want to empty the trash on the other two drives. And what Pathfinder would let you do is just empty the trash on one drive. So um, just a, a, a far more granular level of control. So I'd probably stick with that one. But um that's just me being finickety and uh, using my favourite software again. I did notice that the date, um, there is an option to put the date back in the menu bar. Um, a feature that was there in OS 9 and not seen, seen since is back. So um, the thing is, there's few options with it. So um, it doesn't look pretty. Um, so I'm going to stick with the menu calendar clock. But it is there. It's in the system preferences under date and time, clock. So... Um, you do have an option there. Have you been in and seen it, or are you sticking with menu calendar clock? I'm sticking with menu calendar clock, although when you select uh, an item and try and open it from menu calendar clock, it opens iCal and not BusyCal, even though you've got BusyCal set as the default calendar. Yes, I noticed that. I was going to whip it into shape with a big stick, um, but I don't actually click on that and open it often. Literally, I just use that for the icon. And I'd actually noticed for the first time that um, I have my clock set, so it'll say like um, the three letters of the day, then the time, and then the number, the day number in the month after that. And I've realised that's odd. You know, the day and the date should be together. But uh, when I tried the options that are in the system preferences now, it just didn't feel right. So um, I'm not going to take up more space with um, putting the full date. I'm going to stick with menu calendar clock and leave it at that. As you know, when I was playing around trying to get it installed on the Mini, um, I had to bring a monitor in. It wouldn't install, I'm afraid, headless. So uh, I had to bring a monitor in and a keyboard and a mouse. So again, the air was blue. And um, my menu on the left and my icons on the right met in the middle on this 15-inch monitor. So uh, I wasn't going to take any more space up by, by putting the date and time and all the rest of it up there. Which was another reason I was horrified when I'd done a clean install at the size of the desktop icons. They are now 64 by 64 and not 48 by 48. And I didn't notice that on my first install because I did an over the top and obviously it didn't change the size. But when I did a clean install, I thought there was something wrong with the screen. And uh, no, it seems to be a new default. So I immediately changed them back to 48. Not that I have anything on the desktop at all. In fact, Mike at the Apple Store said we were paragons of virtue with our machines, didn't he? He did. 
I have two dock icons, and they're only there because I can't get rid of them, and nothing on the desktop at all. And he was thrilled. He was my one-to-one -one mentor, you see, right back in the day. Um, I also had to play around with the menu icons and found that if you hold the option key down, um, for, for instance, on the volume, you get extra options that you didn't get uh, available before. So uh, I like that as well. It uh, enables me to make some uh, configuration changes without going all the way into the system preferences. So that was a good one. Yeah, handy stuff that. And something that I found was uh, autocorrect, which is now system wide, uh, rather than being on a file by file or an app by app basis. Uh, it's under it's the system preference language and text, and it's under the text tab. So it allows you to, uh, for example, replace T E H with T H E, or um, I don't know M B replaces replace with Mac bytes. Uh, but I don't think it's going to replace uh, Type Inator, do you? No, I don't. Um, it's a bit finickety in certain applications, apparently, and uh, sometimes it has to be en enabled twice, as it were. You have to enable it in the uh, language and text, and you have to enable it in the application. So, um, no, I can't see that working for me in a great way anytime soon. Although it is turned on by default, and some things do work, so your copyright symbol will work. Um, I haven't actually got Typeinator on any of my Snow Leopard builds yet, because I'm wondering what will happen um, if you if it is trying to auto-correct something that Typeinator is trying to auto-correct. So um, watch this space and I will let you know what happens in the Battle of the Text Expanders next week. Yeah, there'll be a big clash somewhere, won't there? Probably, and it'll probably crash rather than clash. Mm. I, had I will great let fun. you know. I had great fun installing uh, iLife, because what I did, I installed iLife 09, and then I realised that I wanted to install iMovie 06 because I, along with uh, many other people, prefer the old iMovie rather than the new iMovie. And I remember from when I built my uh, iMac backup a few months ago that you actually need to have uh, iLife 08 installed before you can install iLife 06. I this was why to... you were badgering me for the installation disks going back to the year dot, isn't it? It was, and I got into a right mess. <laughs> and, uh, I'm saying it, nothing it wouldn't let me install iMovie 06 it kept saying you need to install iLife 08 first and I had already installed iLife 08 and I was uninstalling things I was app zappering things and I thought you know, I've totally made a mess here and then I did find something you can open a terminal and you can type touch slash library slash preferences slash com.apple.ilife08.plist and that then sorts it out. That lets you actually install iMovie 06. So there was a good four hours wasted. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not kidding, am I? It did take all day. It took a while. But you're happy with it now? I'm happy with it now. I've You've got, got more versions of iLife than you can shake a stick at. I've got my iMovie 06. I'm happy. Oh, as long as you're happy with it. Um, then iTunes, I, I dipped into iTunes but um, nothing new so again watch this space, I'm expecting glorious things on 090909 um, Blu-ray and ebooks via the App Store please um, yes it's true, Apple's uh, annual iPod event is happening, they are holding the proceedings at the uh, Yerba Buena Centre for the Arts Theatre in San Francisco uh, on the 9th of the 9th of the 9th so um I'm hoping for something exciting, but I'm not going to think that it's going to be a netbook of any description. But um, I'd like some new kit. I need new kit on a regular basis. What are you excited about? 
I'm excited about seeing if there's uh, Blu-ray, because I know that's what you want, and uh, netbooks, not netbooks. Tablets. Tablets. Me we too. We shall see. But of course, there's always something to rain on your parade, and um, there are software compatibilities and incompatibilities. And uh, I've been following uh, the Wikidot page, which I know you have as well, and uh, it's been excellent, that. It's um, community updatable, and um, I got some good information off there, so we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Yeah, I had good fun updating uh, one password because uh, I didn't actually update to beta 3 um, on the on the iMac, and then I decided I would update to, to version 3 beta on Snow Leopard. So copying over my keychain database from the Leopard iMac was great fun, wasn't it? I had fun before you even got that far, because uh, we do have a family licence for that, eventually. Um, yes, I, I had huge problems with that. Um, I wasn't part of the uh, closed beta, but I was prepared to upgrade to 3, so um, with my software installed, I followed the instructions, which are to uh, go to the licensing panel, select another panel. No, no, it's not an impact panel. Um, select your license, and then there's a cog in the lower left, and you can click down there to upgrade it. So that's exactly what I did. And it took me through to the store, and it pre-populated my cart with a single-user license. So luckily, I didn't click to buy now, buy now, get on with it. I stopped and I looked and I thought, that's not right. So I went back and checked the license and no, it was our family license. So I thought, this is very strange. So I deleted it out and I, I restarted everything, tried again, same problem. So I had to contact support. And um, there was a couple of emails backwards and forwards. And the guy said, no, what you, what you must have done is click the wrong license. So he checked um, my account history. And yes, there are multiple licenses in there. So I said, no, I didn't because uh, this is a rebuild of a machine and I have never had any other license on it other than the family license so um, he goes away and has another look at it and he was saying um, so hopefully it's this because if it isn't the store's broken so I thought well other people are buying theirs so I don't think the store's broken um, but guess what I'd done go on I'd broken the store yes Typical. it would <laughs> only you could do that I know uh, hopefully in isolation to everybody else but you know if anybody else had problems <laughs> mea culpa um, it wouldn't let me update to a family license no matter what I did so um, I sent off uh, my old license I sent off uh, receipts I sent off confirmation emails to prove that I did actually have a license and uh, all detailed pictures and all sorts of what was going on and um, I got a message back from one of the developers and he said thanks for the detailed update um, I'm sorry but I'm too tired to fix this tonight it's been a long day <laughs> I like I said, his honesty but uh... exactly but it could only happen to me couldn't it I get such good customer service um, he said he'd fix it later and get back to me um, I didn't hear from him again but I did try going to the store again and um, it worked all right so I think it was the night before launch I was there in a panic and I tried again and it did actually work so um if you're listening Dave no need to get back to me it's okay so well uh, yes that was how come you did actually manage to have three but uh, I, I went very well I didn't have any problems with um the keychain or installing it or anything like that at all so um I know they've been working very hard to get all that ready and um, it's working well for me yeah I had problems with some other software uh, Neo Office every time I ran it it didn't actually come up with a message but it just disappeared so you know I'd run it and it would appear in the dock momentarily it would just disappear now i believe patch 7 is supposed to to fix the snow leopard incompatibility but i haven't tried that yet 
No, I haven't installed NeoOffice because uh, I'm not really using it too much anymore. Um, I do have OpenOffice installed because I found that much, much faster. Yeah, I think I'll stick with OpenOffice, to be honest. And PTH Pasteboard, which is what I use as a clipboard manager. Uh, I went to the site to download the latest copy. Well, I always do that. I install what I've got, and then I do check for updates, usually. Uh, and I went over to the site, and the site had actually disappeared. And it said, uh, PTH Pasteboard is no longer for sale due to Snow Leopard incompatibilities. Which you I thought, broke the site? Yeah. No, I didn't break the site. It was already broken. Uh, I thought that was very odd off, you know, because there are plenty of people that are not using Snow Leopard. Plenty of people still using Tiger and Leopard. Um, well, I was actually using PTH Pasteboard um, in conjunction with another pasteboard application just to do one thing, and that was create a global paste as plain text. Um, I haven't found that option in any of the other clipboard extenders that I used. Um, so I'd install PTH Pasteboard just to do that. But just to do that, you do need a pro license, and we did have a pro license. So um, it is rather disappointing. I know PTH Pasteboard is free. Um, and you can't complain if they decide they're not going to update it. But if you've got the pro version, um, it would have been nice to be given some warning so so you could actually try and get the same functionality out of something else. Uh, what would. I did in what I did in the end was um, when we did our show on clipboard extenders, um, Stargate John mentioned that LaunchBar now has a clipboard extender in it, and uh, I'd been beta testing since very early betas, and um, it was conflicting with mine, so I turned it off, and I never turned it back on. So um, now in dire straits, because PTH Pasteboard had gone, which meant my paste as plain text had vanished, um, I went back into LaunchBar and had a look at it, and it was a bit fiddly, as you know, when you were watching me test it, and I had... 20,000 windows open trying to get it to paste as plain text and at the same time I wanted to have the option to be able to paste as you know not paste a match style which is virtually plain text but paste with style um, and I did actually manage to configure it to do that so uh, I should probably do a blog post on that shouldn't I yeah, because it, be it, it gives me the best of both worlds that I, I can actually do exactly what I was doing before um, just one slight thing it does display um, launch bar fractionally for a fraction of a second but I've got my functionality back and uh, it didn't cost me anything because I've already got launch bar and uh, the launch bar clipboard extender is actually very very good um, I'd like it to have more clipboard um, items it can go up to 40 and um, I'd like at least 100 because I copy and paste all the time but um, I have managed to get my functionality back so um, great to be able to do that uh, with launch bar rather than have to uh, buy and install and configure and test something else yeah, and the good news is that the PTH Pasteboard website is back, but the bad news is that it's big flashing red letters that says not compatible with Snow Leopard. And whether they'll so what's, what's the worst news there? The fact that it's not compatible with Snow Leopard or the fact that they've used the blink tag? Yeah, the blink tag. Whether they'll uh, update it, I don't know. Watch this space, I suppose. It doesn't sound like it, to be honest. As I said before, forklift wasn't compatible, but there is now a, a fix out that I haven't had a chance to try. One of the things that uh, I really hoped wouldn't break is Visual Hub, because as many of you know, that is no longer available. And it's a piece of software that I use on a regular basis to convert um, different video formats. And uh, I installed a version, I think I had version 1.30, and I installed that. And it worked, it ran. But then when I came to convert something, it came up with an error message, which was uh, was not good at all. 
And also, when I came to convert uh, a MOV to an AVI, that actually asked me to install Rosetta. Now, you can install Rosetta. I don't think we mentioned this earlier when we did the, the installation process. But one of the options is to install Rosetta as part of the install, and I hadn't. So what happens is the first time you need to use a piece of software that uses Rosetta, it will ask you if you want to actually install it there and then. You don't need to put the disk back in, by the way, which is the good news. Uh, now, it didn't work. It failed, even though I'd installed Rosetta. And I put it out on Twitter, see if anyone could help me. I actually put it out that uh, Visual Hub was dead, which was uh, a bit premature, wasn't it? Yes. Well, it was your own fault for not keeping your software library up to date. It was, because uh, Carrie, one of our listeners, Carrie, came back to me and said, uh, thanks to somebody on the Mac Format forum, uh, she provided a link, uh, which we can provide in the show notes, uh, and that's a link to version 1.34, which I'm happy to report does work with Snow Leopard. Yeah, and the good thing about that link is uh, when we mentioned this about doing your backup before Snow Leopard, and I said that you need to make sure that you back up the extras um, or Visual Hub won't work, that link does include um, the extras as well. So uh, they are still available from that link. So uh, yeah. go and get it. I don't think that 1.34 was actually the very, very final version. Um, I seem to have 1.34a. So um, I think that was probably the version where he announced um, that that was it. That was the end of it. So um, yes, it does work and you can now get the extras as well. The uh, scanner that we've got, uh, Fujitsu S510M, uh, they actually released a patch uh, for Snow Leopard, but you have to disable the quick menu. And I'll put a link in the show notes to, to the exact instructions. Plus the fact there are issues with DevonThink and scanning, aren't there? Um, I'm thinking it might work, but uh, before it goes on my main machine, it definitely needs more testing. Um, I don't use the quick menu, but I do have things set up. I'm, I'm not even exactly sure what they're called, um, but they push data through as soon as you scan. It sends it through to DevonThink or through to Evernote. Um, and when I came to install DevonThink, you can't install any of the extras. So I certainly can't um, send items from mail using scripts straight into DevonThink. And I was thinking, you know, you're going to have problems with the scanning here. Um, I also actually got a crash once I got it installed OK, but then I got a crash. So um, I'm working with DevonThink to um, see what the problem is there, because I was actually getting a crash with it. I can actually run DevonThink and open a file. But uh, if I can't scan my stuff into it, then I do have a problem. So hopefully Fujitsu won't be long with updating their drivers. And um, likewise, hopefully DevonThink won't be long releasing a new beta. Um, life without DevonThink is ha, unthinkable. So um, mm, I'm hoping funny. for good things. Thank you. One thing that does seem to be dead, not work with uh, Snow Leopard, is Quicksilver. Quicksilver hasn't worked for me since Leopard. Um, that was how come I ended up using LaunchBar. I was a big Quicksilver user on Tiger. Um, and it just, it didn't just stop working one day, but it, it sort of petered out. Um, it started going slower, it started crashing, and then it started not finding things in my apps folder that I, I knew were there. Um, and I was running the re-index feature and it said it was running, but it didn't work. So um, I was constantly having to close Quicksilver and rerun it rather than re-index and it got old very fast so uh, I changed 
but um, yes, we've heard that Quicksilver is no longer working. But I've also conversely heard that there are, now it's open source, um, certain derivatives of that original um, code base that are working. Um, the problem with that is you never quite know what you're installing. So um, if I was still using Quicksilver, I, I think I'd stop using it. Um, I can highly recommend LaunchBar. It's very, very fast and it's very, very configurable. So um, I think I'd leave Quicksilver alone. I know we actually still have it on a couple of machines, don't we? But well, um, when... I, did, I did have it on my uh, MacBook until last week. Yeah. Well, I did get when, um, as I say, the LaunchBar 5 is in beta at the moment. Um, but you can buy a license already, even though it's still in beta. And uh, I did get a family license for that. So I think we're covered with it. So um, I'd be moving to that. One of the things I um, had trouble with, and I'm not sure if that was just me, was Zumo Drive. Um, there's an icon that gets put in the menu bar, uh, but there isn't an icon in the dock, or there shouldn't be. But the it appeared on Snow Leopard. It's not there on Leopard, but it's there on Snow Leopard. Um, so I'm thinking, oh, maybe there's some options, and, and I turned it off on Leopard, and I didn't remember. Um, so I went to click the icon in the menu bar, and it wouldn't let me click anything at all. So uh, I was clicking and clicking, nothing was happening. So I had to um, force quit the app to go back into it. That did let me into the menu bar icon. Um, when I got into the preferences from there, there is no preference to turn it off. So then I'm thinking to myself, well, if there's no option, how come it's not there on Leopard and it is there on Snow Leopard? Um, but apparently it is a known issue with it. Um, I would say the program was working, but it's only working apparently in 32-bit mode. Um, if you're trying to run it in 64-bit mode, it's not having it at all. But um, with the name of that being Zumo Drive, that won't be bothering you for some time, will it? Uh, yeah, very funny. Come on, come on. Cough. <coughs> yeah, I uh, I started installing my applications. What I did was I um, opened up Folder Lister, which is a free piece of software that we talked about a while ago. Uh, I dragged my applications folder into it so that I then had a list of all the applications that were on my, um, my MacBook. This was before I installed Snow Leopard. And I then copied and pasted it into a spreadsheet. So I had a list of all my applications. Now, of course, because they were in alphabetical order in the Finder, they were in alphabetical order in uh, in Folder Lister, and they are in alphabetical order in the spreadsheet. So that's the order that I started installing them. And once you got to Creative Suite, you asked a question, and I said, well, what order are you installing them in? And you said... Alphabetical. And I said, I do hope you don't need Zumo Drive for a while. So that was why it reminded me of it. Yeah, I installed that at the end. Well, actually, in the end, I decided not to go alphabetical, didn't I? You mean I shamed you? Yeah. <laughs> you realise the futility of it all. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I'm personally still waiting for Saft, as I mentioned, as ever waiting for Saft. Um, I've got a couple of days, apparently, to um, wait for Expand Drive. Um, that there is a version that's Snow Leopard compatible, supposedly, but they have admitted there are still issues with it, so I'm still waiting a couple of days for that. But um, ITV was an issue, wasn't it? Yeah, I had trouble with the ITV. Uh, according to the Gato Forum, the version of the software that uh, I had didn't work with Snow Leopard. Well, the thing with the ITV is, and we've mentioned this uh, in the last couple of weeks, that you only have one version of it. Uh, you get to download the software, the date that you purchase it, or the version that comes with um, your hardware on a DVD. Um, the problem you've got is that if that version 
isn't compatible with your operating system now, there's no way to download any other version. So I said that the way that the ITV um, Elgato distribute the ITV software is a pain anyway, because if you have multiple Macs, you have to download a 100 meg update on each individual Mac. Um, but in this circumstance, if the version that you have um, on the distribution CD or in your original download will not install, then how can you get that new version, the new version that you need? Now, in our case, the version that came with the uh, CD would have been version 2 point something. We then updated to 3. This was a long time ago. Um, we got 3.0 that we downloaded, and there's no way that would install. Luckily, or unluckily, depending on how you look at it, um, we did have an ITV that died. So we had to go and buy a new one. And um, it came with a new disc. And luckily the version on there is young enough, as it were, to actually install on Snow Leopard. But there must be people out there who've got a problem where the version, the one version that they have to install from and then update from just won't update. It won't install, so therefore it won't update. So that's why that distribution method is a really bad, bad way of doing it. Um, I'm assuming that you could get in touch with Elgato and they would uh, sort you out, but you don't really want to be waiting for something as fundamental as that, I don't think. No, especially when you haven't got a telly. Exactly. It's not good news for people like us, is it? They seem it's to think these isn't. things are toys and they're not. That's our telly when you've finished. Another issue I had was with uh, Soundflower, which is a piece of software that you use for capturing uh, audio, capturing um, system audio. Uh, somebody reported on Twitter that they had problems, and uh, I had a problem. I installed it, threw up an error, so I uninstalled it, I rebooted, I installed it again, and it seemed to be okay. So it was just a, a case of uninstalling, rebooting, reinstalling. I had no problems with Soundflower at all. Um, the only thing I noticed was that Audio Hijack Pro, which usually prompts me to install, it didn't. But apart from that, I was able to, I knew what to do, which was, um, I didn't install it as a standalone. I went through Audio Hijack Pro. Um, I went into the preferences of Audio Hijack Pro and uh, there are three extensions to be installed. And um, I just went through and said install, install, install. And it did do. I had no problems at all. So um, probably something you'd done there. No anyway. Doubt. That is the state of Snow Leopard at MacBytes headquarters at the moment. So um, no doubt more on that next week. But for now, if you've installed it, I hope it went well. If you're thinking about it, good luck and make sure you back up, back up and then back up again. And even if you're not thinking about it, um, if you're not thinking about it, you've probably got a power PC and you're probably cursing right about now, which I don't blame you. Um, three years is not a long time. It is for PCs, but it's not for Macs. And uh, we have a Mac. Our oldest Mac is three and a half years old now, and it still runs as fast today as it did the day we bought it. Luckily for us, we made the Intel chip by a week. And that really was by good luck, not good judgment, because I didn't know what I was buying. And um, we were very, very lucky, because a week earlier, and we'd have ended up with a Power PC one. So um, if you've got a Power PC one, my sympathies are with you. But um, cosmetically, you'll never notice the difference. Download the other wallpaper and you'll never notice the difference. Um, there is a great resource uh, we found online at Eileen's Machines. So we'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. Uh, that is links to everything you could ever want to know about Snow Leopard. 
And um, I've actually created an image of the Snow Leopard DVD on a Firewire drive. And um, I've installed that many times now. I've got the install down to 11 minutes. I am on fire with it. Excellent. Well, moving on to uh, events. We actually have a busy month in September with uh, three events and something special coming in October too. On the 10th of September, we've got a photographic extreme makeover. And on the 17th of September, we have our social, which is taking place at the Old Pelican, or the Old Pelican Inn, whatever you prefer, which is on the Sale Timperley border. So um, go to the website and have a look and uh, do come and join us. Mike will be wearing his MacBite t-shirts and carrying a red carnation. Oh. And on the 24th of September, uh, we've got an online seminar all about screen steps. Indeed, and on the 1st of October... Something special. We are having a demonstration of things. Uh, Simon, one of our listeners, is uh, going to be demonstrating things on the Mac and things on the iPhone. So uh, something to look forward to there. I use OmniFocus, but I am always up for new software. You know that. So um, this is probably an opportune moment to mention a new section on the MacBytes website too. Uh, MacBytes Live, which you'll find... Um, from the menu and it has details of all the upcoming live events so uh, do go and pay that a visit as well yeah and uh, you can also go to digital-iq.co.uk to find details of our events great news from the very nice people at busy mac as well yes the mac buys coupon code as detailed last week which can get you 20 percent off your total purchase um, as if that isn't sufficient, the Busy Mac people have confirmed that you can use the MacBytes code in addition to the 20% that you get off by purchasing multiple units. So you can get the price per unit down to $32 when purchasing multiple units and get an additional 20% off that with a MacBytes coupon code. So taking each unit down even further. The coupon code is going to be valid till the end of September. So uh, download the trial now and it is Snow Leopard compatible. In the meanwhile, you have only one week left to enter the Great Busy Mac competition. Yeah, just send an email to macbytesuk at gmail.com with the subject of BusyCal competition. It's as simple as that. And you can win a copy of BusyCal complete with info, info panel. panel. Now, I have to prompt you for that. No. Oh, OK. Well, that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we'd love to hear from you, so please send your questions, comments and queries to us at macbytesuk gmail.com and we'd love to hear your Snow Leopard stories. If you're not installing, when you plan to, or even if you don't. And remember, we have a contact form on the website, so that's another way you can get hold of us. You can keep up with what we're doing via the website at macbytes.co.uk and on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. And you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash thomasmike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. So until next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you Mac Bites. Goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye.